0: Welcome to the Pixel Bytes podcast, a brand new podcast, which is part of the Pixels for Breakfast content network. For this show, we'll be chatting about one new game each week, diving into our feelings for it, what we think about the design of certain features, and ultimately, whether we recommend it to you. We'll be breaking this structure immediately, though, for our first episode, and instead recapping our favorite games we played over the holiday break over the past few weeks. uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Seamus Mullins. Uh, I am the editor-in-chief of IndieDB and ModDB, producer and scout for Modularity Games, and I'm based in beautiful Adelaide, or I'd like to refer to it, Radelaide in Australia, and my lovely co-host, Stephen Heller, who is founder of the Pixels for Breakfast Network and a game developer living in Japan. How's it going, Stephen? Yeah,
1: pretty good. It's pretty cold here. It's supposed to snow later today, so I'm struggling to deal with it. My Australian bones can't handle it, but yeah, how are you doing?
0: (laughs) I'm good when, well, it's just the complete, been complete opposite here the last few days, like getting up to not quite 40 degrees, but not, not super far off it. I would, I would love some snow. Yeah, I'd definitely take the
1: cold, even though I'm complaining. I'd definitely take the cold out of the heat. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Anyway, we're not here to talk about weather. Let's talk about games. (laughs) I was just like, this conversation started out as like my, my 40 year old mother. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about, as you said, the games that we played over the holiday break, and I'm going to kick one off straight away. Uh, I can fell. Uh, the reason I started playing this game is because we do a thing in our community over on Gilded, the pixels for breakfast Gilded, where we choose a game from game pass every month and we play it through together over the course of the month and talk about it in the forums there. Anyway, uh, Iconfell is a uh, JRPG. It's a lighter JRPG. It's got a runtime of about fifteen hours, and it's basically Harry Potter meets uh, JRPG land. It's a lot of people describe it as, uh, you know, kind of like Earthbound or Mother, that sort of vein. I don't really see that comparison that much, other than you're playing children. Uh, but basically you're uh, playing this teenager whose sister has gone missing from a wizarding school. So you go off there to find them and realize that the school's in lockdown and some bad things have happened. Uh, so you grab a party of her friends and you try and find out what's happening at the school, what's causing all this dark magic. And it's just really charming and got a lot of really cool characters to it. Uh, unfortunately I'm not enjoying the gameplay that much. Um, it's just very stock standard, um, very light JRPG combat and I don't like JRPG stuff at uh, you know the best of times, but when it's really stripped down and kind of basic, I definitely don't like it. Um, uh, but the one thing that I really want to applaud this game for is its accessibility options. So... A lot of the combat has these uh, sort of rhythm sections where you have to hit the buttons to get maximum attack or defense. And that's super important. And like maybe you have a disability that is makes you not unable to do that. Or maybe you just don't have rhythm like me and you can't do that very well. Uh, But it has a win fight button. You literally just go into the menu as if you're doing an attack, hit win fight you'll get XP, you'll get loot, you won't get as much loot or XP, but you'll get enough that you can keep going on through the story. And it fixes a big problem for me. Uh, The big reason why I don't like JRPGs is I find grind boring. I don't know if that's just because I have a huge backlog of games and I always want to play new stuff or if it's just, you know, I don't know why, but I don't like grind. So the ability to be able to skip over all that and just see the story is exactly what I've been looking for, for all of these years. And yeah, the story is nothing super special, but it's one of those cases where it's a setting that's not really explored that much in video game, so that it immediately
0: makes it more interesting to me so uh, yeah we're playing through that at the moment and uh, yeah, it's a that's, bit of fun that's really cool and I've, I've played actually just the start of the game as part of for the monthly uh, game mm-hmm. club as well and just from what I've played uh, the story does seem really charming the characters the dialogue the sort of tone it's, it's going for so uh, I can definitely appreciate why even though you're not hugely into the gameplay you want to keep going with the story and see where it goes and having that option to be able to skip parts of the gameplay or, or you know certain bits that like you said might be challenging for certain people depending on uh, any disabilities they might have or if there's just certain parts of the content that you're just really not digging but there's other parts of the game you want to explore so yeah that's that's really cool I I hope that's something more games do in the future
1: yeah I think it's um you know if it hadn't have had that option I definitely would have dropped off it just because the story is not like phenomenal and I sound like I'm being quite negative towards the game but it's just because it gives me the option to skip over the things I don't like that I like it a lot more than I probably should because I'm not dealing with things that are roadblocking me from my enjoyment with it obviously your mileage is going to vary depending on what sort of gamer you are and what you enjoy Um, but I think it's fantastic for a developer to be like you know what some parts of games people don't like so let's just let them skip it like that's super awesome Uh, another game that is not doing that but it's doing an interesting accessibility thing uh, that I like is Greedfall that I'm playing at the moment I'm not going to talk about it on this podcast, but uh, basically does this thing where like if you finish a quest, instead of having to walk back through the city and find the person who gave you the quest and spend, waste your time doing that. It just gives you a dialogue prompt that you can just warp back to them straight away and hand in the quest. And there's probably a loading screen on the older consoles, but I'm playing on the Xbox series X and it's just instantaneous. I'm there handing in the quest and it just cuts out a lot of the monotony, especially in a longer game that's maybe, you know, 40, 50 hours long to be able to skip through those sections and just get things done is, you know, I I, I like games that appreciate your time that, you know, respect the time that you're putting into it and allow
0: you to sort of interact with it in the way that you want. I can I can definitely dig that a hell of a lot, and I'm sure some people who would hear that and a big RPG people and be like, oh my god, yes, yes, please, because like I can appreciate when some a developers created the world and you want to walk through it and like appreciate it and get immersed in it, but in so many RPGs, you're doing dozens of quests in the same area, going back and forth, back and forth, and it can kind of kill that immersion and and feel grindy and just yeah, time wasty a bit. So yeah, that's really cool. It's kind of amazing more games haven't done that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think that, um, you know, even games like GTA and stuff, like there are times where I sit down and I just want to be in that world and explore it. And then there are times where I just want to get things done. So I think having a nice middle ground where you can choose to do either is really what I'm looking for. But enough about me. What have you been playing, Seamus? Hit me with one of your games.
0: I've been playing a whole bunch of indies over the over the holiday break, as as is per the course for me, even though there's been heaps of big AAA games coming out that I am Just keen to check out didn't come out? <laughs> what? Oh yeah, I forget that came out. <laughs> let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. Let's not <laughs> get into that. But anyway, lots of lots of cool indies, some of which that came out uh, all of which came out last year, uh, that I've been wanting to get to for a while. And one of them is What Comes After. And it's from a few Indonesian developers, uh, specifically uh, one of the main, the main writer behind the visual novel Coffee Talk. They came out last year, early last year. I
1: love Coffee Talk. It's yeah, like one of your I favorites.
0: Do. I do. I it was one of my favorite games like just not just indies just of all games last year it was just so charming I love the characters I love the setting I love settings where it's like there is a fit fa- there are fantastical elements but still really grounded in our world and how it is you know capitalism still is just everything you know it's a it's pure religion and there's still all the day-to-day going on but there's just these little fantastical elements um, and the soundtracks just a banger lo-fi wonderful I know you were dig it when you get a chance to check it out yourself, Steve. And so I really appreciate that writer's work. And so when I heard about What Comes After, which is a 2D side scrolling short narrative uh, game that's very much about death and sort of exploring death, I I was really intrigued and... I wanted to check it out straight away. Um, and it is it is quite short. It's only about an hour or so long. But in that time, it, it does so much to draw you into its world um, with what art is there, is, is there what with the dialogue and interacting with these characters that are on this train. So you're a totally a live person uh, who falls asleep on the train and ends up being on the train for that takes people who have died to the afterlife. And there's people on there, there's animals on there, there's even plants. And more or less you get an hour to just explore this train and chat to people and talk to them about their situation about about being dead, and some a lot react to it in different ways. Some are angry, some are remorseful, some uh, understanding of it, and are looking forward to you know seeing people that they've missed in the afterlife. And it, it really hit home. Like uh, I I had seen some people write about and how hard it hit them emotionally, and I was like, okay, like I'm um, I, I was kind of expecting it, but not to the level that it hit me, uh, and. It's, it's probably something that's quite relevant to recent times to a degree, like talking about death and and, and recent times throughout the world that hasn't been that great. There's been, uh, been a lot of bad stuff going on. Uh, and so it's interesting to see more games like this tackling death and talking about just in the very down-to-earth open manner and just having a conversation about it because it's it's something that is, you know, pretty normal in in life, whether it's for plants or pets or or for humans. So, yeah, I I really enjoy it. Would recommend it. Uh, It's something you can just jump into and get through quite quickly and take a lot away from I think like it's the type of game that maybe want to call my parents as soon as I finish it and <laughs> my close friends and, and just talk to them and, and tell, much how, tell them how much I love them yeah it's, it's one of those types of games yeah depending how you're feeling
1: basically with everything going on you may want to put that one on the back burner but you know this is definitely as you said something that a lot of smaller indie games are definitely starting to explore a lot more like Spiritfarer is another big one Uh, I'm not in the right frame of mind to play either of those games right now, I don't think. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that is something that I am looking forward to checking out. Uh, Tell you what I have been playing a lot of, though, and uh, it's Slay the Spire. (laughs) Now, uh, this game's quite old. It's been out for quite a while. It is a deck building roguelike game where you're basically going up random paths, using cards as attacks to slay monsters and get to the top of a spire. Uh, I I assume most people listening to this podcast probably know what this game is, but it's just, it's phenomenal for me. So I'm a huge roguelike uh, gamer. I play a lot of roguelikes. I stream mostly roguelikes over on Twitch three days a week. Make sure you come by. But anyway... (laughs) Uh, I very rarely will play a roguelike once I finish a successful run, like getting every like unlock and finding all the bosses and hidden secrets. That's not of interest to me. The journey for me in a roguelike is it was really hard. And I hit my head against that wall for like 17 hours and I finally got a win. I'm done. Usually slay the Spire is one of the very few exceptions to that rule, just because the gameplay is just so engaging. Uh, Each, there are four different characters in the game. Now each one plays like, insanely different from one another so you have to not only learn all of the enemies and what sort of attacks and um, uh, behaviors that they will have or likely to have when you face them Uh, you also need to learn how your character that you're playing at the time is going to work with it like there's you know straight up damage person there's a someone who deals with poisons and curses and There's someone who deals with stances where you're constantly switching stances to build energy and that sort of thing. Uh, So I finished the game with three of the four characters so I'm currently like playing through that fourth character trying to get the W there. I'll probably stop at that point but yeah just it's one of those games because you can put it down and then pick it up and do that turn and really take your time with it. It's the kind of game that I'm playing on my Switch while I'm watching stuff on TV usually trash TV like 90 Day Fiance don't judge me. It's great. I love the human (laughs) drama. Uh, So yeah it's sort of that game where I'm like, not really paying attention to the television, but I'm just sort of like, oh yeah, I'll do a couple of turns and oh, well, well, yeah. Okay. And then back to it. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good game. If you haven't checked it out, you should, it's on everything. It's part of Xbox Game Pass as well. So go check out Slay the Spy. I, I'm curious, do you know how many hours you've put into Slay the Spire? I have my Switch right here. I mm. reckon it's about 40-ish, but let me check.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, I thought it would be a lot more, actually. Well,
1: I because I play a lot of roguelikes, I tend to finish, like, you know, get through them. Yeah, it's about 44 hours on Switch, um, and I finished good. it I, with yeah. th- three out of four.
0: See, I'm probably not far off that amount and I've only finished a game with one of the characters because I am definitely not the best at roguelikes or at games in general, to be fair. I play a lot of games, doesn't necessarily mean I'm the best at them. (laughs) Um, But when I beat... Uh, my first run with just the um, the first character, the more straightforward one early last year, like it was so satisfying after buying say, the Spire originally and really getting into it and trying a bunch of times and getting close but just not quite there and then coming back to it a few months later and getting back into it. Like there's just so much depth to what is a relatively straightforward kind of game but just the the types of Characters in their their decks just change it so much, and yeah, it's it's like with the newest character they added recently, like it's just so different from all the others. Uh, so really, really cool game. Yeah, really, really highly recommend it, and don't let the deck building put you off
1: because I'm definitely not a deck building type of gamer. Although I am about to talk about another one, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's usually a thing that I sort of stay away from. But uh, Slay the Spire makes it easy enough, and actually got me excited to check out other deck building games as a result because it really teaches you those mechanics quite well. I can feel that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, I now I just now I just want to play again,
0: Steven. Hey, hey Seamus, mm. tell me about Wide Ocean Jacket. Wide Ocean Jacket, Stephen, is this sort of lovely, again, another short indie game, uh, very narrative focused about these four people, uh, this young teenage couple that have recently got together, uh, a girl and a boy, and the girl's auntie and her auntie's husband and they go on a camping trip and they just do all the camping things you expect, hang around the campfire, go hang out at the beach and um- but it's really sincere. It allows the characters weirdness, which I think all of us can be weird in some way. And the more comfortable we are in the situation, the more weird we can we can be. And, and this game really just sits in that and just like lets you observe these characters just really being themselves. And they are probably a little bit weirder and interesting people than, than most people. I'll, I'll grant that. Um, But they're they're lovely. And at first, like, it it wasn't clicking me at first because the gameplay is quite simple. Uh, It's 3D. um, You're in these small areas that you wander around and can pick up objects and and sort of investigate things and start conversations about various things. Uh, And it felt a little too simple at first from what I was expecting. This was another game that came out last year and I've been meaning to get to after hearing really good things. But... The way it handles dialogue is just sensationally done. I think, where it just makes you really focus on what's happening. Because in so so often in free, three uh, D games or third person games, especially in AAA games, when dialogue is all happening in third person, I often will lose concentration uh just because i just don't feel super grounded or immersed in the conversation all the time but in in this game every time there's a conversation all you can see it just shuts off you seeing everything else and just shows the illustration of the character's face who's talking and their dialogue and it means you can just like get really absorbed in these conversations uh and then when you come back out of them you'll see people's reactions to what you're talking about, what you've just said, or they've gone to do something else. And there's some really pleasant moments that come from that. And I found myself just being immersed in the story and in this dialogue so much more than a lot of games I've played recently. Like I thought they just execute execute that really well. Uh, And there's just, it's really funny as well in just zany, weird ways that I I really loved and and would recommend like uh, very highly. Like again, it was only about hmm, an about hour and a half to two hours. Uh, but it's it's well worth your time. Uh, it's Yeah, it's a great romp. It
1: does sound pretty good. I'll tell you what else is pretty good.
0: What's good, Stephen? Rhinestone. We've both been playing that. <laughs> I'll let you kick it off because I think you've played a little bit more than me. Maybe a little bit more. Maybe. I, I went for a spurt where I was smashing for, for a good couple of weeks. Sort of like you were saying, we slayed the Spites type of thing. I'll chuck something on to watch in the background, catching up on podcasts or some trashy TV shows and, and play it while I'm doing that. And it's great for that. So it's from the lovely people at Capperberry games in Canada who have done a lot of pretty unique games over the years and sort of pushed the, the envelope a bit when it, when it's come to be, what is an indie game? Um, but this is slightly a bit different for them. This was a mobile first game that came to Apple arcade last year originally, Uh, but has since come to switch as of late last year. And you and I both picked it up pretty much about the same time, by the sounds of it, when it, when it came out, um, and it's sort of a match-free type of game where you're this kind of brutish huge muscly dude who's gone up this mountain and in each room in this mountain are these creatures and all these creatures are colour coded normally there'll be 3 or 4 different coloured creatures and there'll be about 40 of them in the room and there's certain things you have to do to get out of the room like kill 50 of them Uh, and in order to kill these creatures you have to match up their colours together Uh, and if you match up 10 in a row because you can't cross colors you have to keep them the same Uh, if you get 10 or more in a row you get this little little grindstone that lets you jump to other colors and and start to mix it up and it's just done so damn well. Like it's every little move you do is so satisfying. Uh, the animations, all the, no matter how much, like they're just done for such minor little things, but bring so much life to it. And it just makes you feel so cool and so much more powerful than a standard match-free type of game. Cause you're just going through killing all these monsters. And when you get like a huge run of like 40 plus uh, in a row, it like, Feels great because there's sort of little. Every room is a little puzzle. There's sort of different objects in the room or different types of enemies that change it up, and they're they're really fun little puzzles to do.
1: Yeah, it's like this weird mashup of like a Viking Slayer meets Doctor Mario uh, in, a, in a match three <laughs> thing, and it's just like even uh, taking you know. The idea of, okay, so you need to match the colors and chain things together, but we're going to have those things be monsters and you're going to be slaying them. And we're also going to have unlockable gear so you can use a shield to stop them from attacking you if you get stuck in a corner for one turn. Or we're going to give you a bow and arrow so you can actually shoot one that's like three or four spaces away and then keep your chain going. Like, it's just really well thought out. Uh, I don't know if you checked out no clip on YouTube. Danny O'Dwyer actually... Actually, no, oh, it's yeah. his podcast. Um, he did a chat with Cappy. Like they've been working on that game off and on again for like nearly a decade, apparently. Um, and it shows because every part of it just feels polished to the absolute T. Like it's fantastic. So I think it's once again, I've been playing a lot of games that aren't usually my wheelhouse. I don't like these puzzly sort of games, but everyone I knew just would not shut up about grindstone. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a, I'll give it a look. And I'm
0: so glad I did. Cause it's, just so good so polished that's a fun experience it is and do you know what's funny Stephen mm-hmm. is that I love No Clip and I listened to their podcast and after listening to that exact podcast mm-hmm. I was like okay I'll pick up Greenstone after gonna hearing lie, about I did too. Yeah. A <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like hearing about the development the idea how the idea came together and the journey of it being created I was like okay like yeah I'm gonna pick this up I gotta see what this is about
1: yeah I've been a big fan of Cappy Games but uh, I'm not gonna lie a few of them have been hit or miss for me like I didn't really get into below Um, yeah same and then when i saw this was a puzzle game for apple arcade i kind of wrote it off and that's that's on me because it's actually very good i'll tell you another game that's very good seamus what's that steven tell me hero loop hero (laughs) it's very very good it is uh from devolver digital and four quarters it doesn't have a release date yet, but preview just went up on YouTube. If you do want to check out a video preview of what I'm about to talk about, uh, youtube.com forward slash pixels for breakfast. Loop hero is a retro dungeon crawler RPG, but it's all based around a card system. Um, uh, they specifically asked us not to spoil, spoil the lore a little bit, but it's very fantasy based, but with some twists and you basically are sent out into a void. You don't remember anything. There's no permanence to anything. And you're stuck on this endless loop. It's a path that just loops around on itself. And the first square is your campsite and you just loop around. There's a day night cycle and you're walking along and you're this little bony boy. It kind of looks a bit like uh dwarf fortress. Like it's very, very low fire. Uh, and they're randomly generated uh, enemies that pop up. You slay them, you get gear and cards, and those cards allow you to build mostly enemy spawn points because the idea is that you want tougher enemies to spawn so you can get the loot and get new gear and resources, and every time you pass uh, your campsite, uh, everything levels up, and you keep going until you either die, flee, or you make it to the boss. There's like a, um, underneath the day night cycle, there's a cycle for when the boss is going to arrive. And it's just insanely good. Uh, I not going to lie, looking at it, I was like, Oh I don't know about this. Um, but like you, you get all these cards, like, okay, if you put a grove on a tile that makes a little forest thing appear. And, uh, every two days, uh, a wolf rat spawns there and a wolf rats really strong and then the more they level up they bring two or three wolf rats every time you pass it but then you can get a blood grove card which attaches to that and any and any creature that's under 25 percent health the grove will actually try to swallow it whole and kill it for you instantly but the downside of that is if you're under 25 percent health it can instantly kill you as well uh, oh, So wow. everything <laughs> has like a reaction um a, a positive and a negative and then you're getting all of this gear like um swords and chain mail and and rings and different stats. So you're like buffing up like vampirism or magic damage or defense or just straight up attack, or you can get damage to all, which will damage every enemy that's on the screen. Um, And then you're constantly changing out your gear. So when you slay something and you get gear, you will be like, okay, I'm going to put this helmet on and that destroys the last helmet that you had on. So you can't like keep something for later And you're constantly changing your build on the fly because you're like, oh, I'm running low on health. So I'm going to dump all my vampirism gear on now so I can start siphoning health from my enemies. And unlike traditional dungeon crawlers, you're not really building towards a certain class. You're building towards a certain situation and it's all happening so quickly. It's just really, really good. The UI is not very good. I do not like the UI. Um, You're you're just darting around the screen all the time to keep track of what's going on. But other than that, this game just has so much depth. Uh, as I was saying, you collecting resources every time you go past these structures as well. And you're doing that because uh, you can flee at any time and keep 60% of all your resources. If you die, you take 30%. And if you flee at your campsite, you get to keep hundred percent and then you're using those resources to build out the network at your campsite. So different buildings will give you different buffs or better chance for different gear to drop or crafting or some of them even unlock new classes. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those games that it's a little hard to get a sense even watching my video review of how it plays because looking at it, it's a bit like I get what they're doing, but it doesn't. I don't really you don't understand it till you play it. And like I've gone from being like, uh, eh, this looks OK. It's Devolver. I guess I'll check it out because I like Devolver. Uh, and two being like, this is my like most anticipated game of 2021. Wow. Okay. And as I said earlier, I'm not super into deck building. The deck building element here is very easy. You just have like these tiers of cards and it'd be like, you can have six of these ones, six of these ones and six of these ones. And then you just click build your deck and off you go. Um, and yeah, there's a few surprises in there that I won't mention here, but not all of the cards are building enemy spawn points. Some of them are building meadows. And every time that every time it ticks over to morning, you'll get a certain amount of HP based on how many meadows you've built out in the world and all this sort of stuff. So it's like this weird reverse tower defense game
0: where you're building enemies instead to slay. And that sounds really cool. Like, it sounds like the type of game... Yeah, it sounds like a type of game where there's heaps to discover. Like, you, the game's not going to tell you uh, a bunch of things and you just discover them and secrets as you go and just just fail and go again and go again. And it sounds like it's got a lot of really interesting and cool systems sort of layered upon each other. Yeah, it's very, very heavy systems game, but it also um seems to be
1: doing some interesting things with the law as I said like there are vampires and rat wolves and harpies and yeah, all I want that to see, stuff I want to
0: learn more about the rat wolves yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but
1: um <laughs> it's not your typical are oh, there are vampires from Transylvania like it does feel like there's a bit of interesting dark cosmic horror history going on here um and I'm excited and I'm hoping that pays off but you know we won't know until the full version so as I said there's no release date just yet, but from what I'm playing it looks and feels very polished, so I wouldn't be surprised if it comes pretty early this
0: year. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. You've got yeah, you've got me hyped up. I'm I'm keen.
1: Yeah. Another game that we both played and I'll let you lead this one. Hades. Quite possibly the best <sighs>
0: game of 2020. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely up there, like probably the best indie, and that's being a lot of outlets have given it just best overall game for twenty twenty, and yeah, that is that is. The wonderful Hades. And I actually bought this um, when it originally came out in early access on the Epic Games Store. As did I, yeah. Cause, yeah, because I love Giant Games. Uh, I know you and I have talked a lot about them previously and we have our own favourites. Uh, like I, I adore Pyre, but I'm just, every one of their games brings something new to the table, whether it's different, ki- uh, like them trying different mechanics or building a whole new world, which they just do every single time uh and this time it's a, a roguelike uh that is set in hell uh all and all about greek mythology and greek gods and olympus and hell and so they turn all these greek gods that we know of like Hades and Zeus and bring them to life in their own Just brilliant way a super giant always do. When you say
1: brilliant, you mean horny, right? Because everyone is so damn horny (laughs) in this game.
0: So horny, yeah. (laughs) See, when I played it originally, I was just like, oh, like the art, the art the art director for Supergiant is just fantastic. And the whole art team is great, but I was like, Oh yeah. The, the, how they've done the characters is really good. But I was like, yeah, I wasn't getting that horny vibe when I played it originally, but yeah, when it came to switch, especially it seemed like people were just, yep. Really, really down <laughs> talking about different, different ships and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. All, yeah, yeah all definitely. About that. Super happy, cool. happy. Yeah. Um, And so you play as Zagoras, who is the son of Hades, um, and you're sick of dad. You want want to get out of hell. You're sick of hell. You want to go meet the rest of your family. There might be other story reasons involved, and you you just want to get out. And so essentially every time you do a run, you're trying to escape hell, and there's these different areas of hell that have these different... uh, art styles and vibes to them and different enemies as well. And there'll be these bosses that you encounter throughout. Uh, And the gameplay itself is, is really well done. It's super tight there's several different weapons that you can unlock and use and choose at the start of your run. So it's not, um, randomized in that sense, but as you play, you'll get these offerings, these boons from the gods of Olympus and other characters within hell that will help you on your journey to trying to escape hell. And you can sort of combine them as you go and, and combo different, um, powers from different gods, uh, to use throughout your run and, and build up all your different powers as you go and all that's really good but the story itself is is one of the biggest parts and what I think makes us really stand out amongst all the other roguelikes the many many roguelikes that are coming out all the time now um, and how responsive it feels like every time you fight a boss and they beat you or you beat them like you get authentic dialogue that feels how it should be after that kind of event. Like they'll be annoyed at you the next time they see you, or they might, you know, be overly confident because they beat you last time and it feels really responsive. Yeah. And just really good.
1: Yeah. And it's really interesting how you can sort of build out a character Kind of like you would in a game like Diablo or something like that, where you're collecting these different boons that are all working well together. And you're like, oh, I've got these two together and then this one will get my healing and this one's going to get my AOE. And it's super interesting how that plays out and how they sort of push you into different corners with that in a fun way through the prophecy system, which is where they're like, oh, you prophesy that you get to collect these powers and often that will have interesting results. Um, I love that system, yeah. 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 And, and I often go against it though, finally enough. Oh, I always go for it. I'm like, "Yep, let's do that." <laughs> I I think it's super interesting how they pick apart at the things that make roguelikes really enjoyable, like really enjoyable, um, but also fill it out with story and make it a lot more accessible for people who maybe are put off from those games. It it starts off hard, but you slowly ramp up to being like super powerful. And once you beat daddy once, you just, you just got to go back again and again and again. And I know you haven't beaten Spoilers daddy yet. Steve. <laughs> but the interesting thing is uh, the way, that, like I personally love super giant games because of that narrative. Um, and it's super amazing to me that they've built out a roguelike that makes fictional sense of why you're dying and rebirthing all the time. And as you said, the organic conversations that happen after the runs and I've actually found a little pocket of the internet uh, who doesn't like that and they actually don't like Hades because it's too slow and they just want to get in and do do another run like a normal roguelike would and if if you're one of those people They're I'm sorry crazy. we don't align you <laughs> don't align I understand it as a roguelike player but um and you know there were definitely yeah. runs where I died I was like I just I don't want to miss the story uh, but you know like um there is a small contingency of people out there that don't appreciate what Hades is trying to do but I I hope that it sets a standard for roguelikes moving up in the future like I think Dead Cells is one of my all-time favorite roguelikes and I think it does interesting storytelling without doing the thing that Hades does but at the end of the day a lot of that storytelling is based on my own interpretations of things I'm seeing where it's not telling me this big tale like uh, Supergiant is with Hades and uh, I just think it's fantastic it's definitely my game of 2020 uh, except for oh, Yakuza 7 No, nah, I'll say it's Hades Hades is my uh, game of last year I think
0: well and the thing is I feel like we have a lot more to dig into with Hades and I haven't actually beat Daddy yet so uh-huh. I, I reckon i have still got to play a bunch more so I won't be surprised if we revisit Hades as a full episode in the future yeah absolutely how about your last game, Steve? It's one that I know you've been getting into a lot. Yeah. Uh, last couple of months with the with the Pixels Crew. Yeah, so I'm gonna say everyone here should go and buy Red
1: Dead Redemption online. It's five bucks until the end of January, and I do not like Red Dead Redemption two at all. I think it's a trash game. <laughs> I don't really know why I bought this. I was like, oh, Red Dead on my PC. That'll look pretty good, I bet. Five bucks. And it's it's not. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption Online's an MMO. Let's just be honest. It's an MMO. It has some of that storied rock star craft into it, but it's all about professions and making your way in this beautiful open plains world. You can turn PvP combat off if you want, and that's kind of what I do. I get my crew of friends, and we roll around, and we we do a couple of missions and then we head off into the wilderness and hunt animals or go pick flowers or find vistas and all that sort of thing. Like it's definitely filling that nice social void that, uh, has been missing from me because I haven't played an MMO for a long time. And, it takes that system from Grand Theft Auto where people can make their own sort of fun little mini games within the world using the mechanics. And like every now and then when we're feeling a bit crazy, we'll just go try one of those and it's usually something interesting. Like we found one that was basically polo with guns on horses and we had to grab these little flags and deliver them to zones and then you're trying to shoot the enemies off the off the off uh, their horses and score more goals than them. And it's just like, this is crazy because 10 minutes ago we just spent three hours up in the mountains hunting a black bear and cooking dinner at a campfire and just looking at this beautiful mountainscape. And now we're playing weird Western polo soccer on horses. And um, that's why I really, really like it. And I think it's it's a no-brainer at five bucks. If you have a couple of friends you can convince to join you on your platform of choice not cross-platform i think that you'll more than truly get your five bucks worth out of it and yeah as as uh Mali just said we we have quite a few people playing it over at pixels of breakfast so there's plenty of people to come play
0: with if you don't have friends but you want to check it out yourselves I have been meaning to, to pick it up myself because, uh, you know, for that price, because I think normally it'll be about 25 to 30 and this is just a multiplayer by itself. They made it entirely separate. So a few people like Steve who didn't like the single player but want to still appreciate the gorgeous world that that single player – game is set in it's still the just same map and you just get to explore it in with friends and, and do all the same activities that you would do in single player but with with friends which I feel like a lot of people would be probably really into and it is a lot more like just being able to turn off the PvP is really cool because i played a lot of gta 5 Online multiplayer at at the start when it launched back in ps3 360 um and i had i had a fair bit of fun with it but man the griefing is just crazy yeah i i played it once and
1: i got shot about 10 20 times just trying to get a car and i was like yep i'm done i'm done (laughs) i've never played it since (laughs) I've heard the heists in that game are pretty amazing. And that's what I'm super excited to do have in Red Dead. There are train yeah. heists and I really want to do
0: a couple of those. Ooh, that does sound cool. And the thing is, if you've heard of friends who have already started playing it or you want to join the pixels crew playing it, uh, levels don't really matter. There's no gatekeeping for content. Like by leveling up, you unlock like cosmetics and unlockables and stuff like that. But like you can just jump in with friends who have already been playing for a hundred hours and do the same stuff as them and, and just get going yeah it's super cool and as i said like you could be like oh well we haven't done the bounty
1: profession so let's all start that together so there are ways that you can have a goal together or you know like if you're doing the hunting thing they can help you track down animals and that sort of thing so yeah it's it's a good time we're down we're down to the last game Stephen. yeah now i'm gonna tell a little story i'm i'm streaming or i was recording no, i was recording footage for a review on my switch and up in the corner pops up your little avatar saying Seamus is playing 51 worldwide games. And I was like, what? And then that happened about three or four more times. And I just realized (laughs) he was spending so much time playing 51 worldwide games, which I thought was like Othello and backgammon. I was like, surely there's something I'm missing here because Seamus is sure as hell spending a lot of time playing 51 worldwide games. What were you playing? There's a lot
0: of games. What were you playing? <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good games there. I've had a lot of fun over the last year playing it. It's one of my favorite games of last year. Like. <laughs> Just, I actually was using it for a long time just before I go to bed I'll play a couple games and just be such a nice wind down there's like these cool like toy soldier kind of games that you do baseball and football and there's all heaps of like classic games like backgammon or board games from around the world that I've really enjoyed learning about but there's one card game in there Steve that, that's the reason why you see me keep going back really mm-hmm. and it's called President uh, and it's got a few names around the world Thirteens is what's often referred to as well uh, but it's called President in this game. Uh, and it just, it's just really grabbed me. Like, I love it. It's just like, I just go back to it again and again and again, multiple times a day, as, as you saw, obviously. Uh, and so it's a card game where there is normally four players. You'll get handed out the same amount of cards randomly to begin with. And then the aim of the game is to get rid of all your cards first in each round. Normally you have about five or 10 rounds in the game. And uh, you get you put down cards from, uh, going from the lowest number being three up until two being the highest number in this game. And you can do singles, you can do pairs, you can do suits of numbers together. Uh, and there's certain cards that have specific rules around them that add interesting strategy strategies to the game. And it's just, yeah, it's just really fun. Like I just love the how much strategy goes into it and the mind games that can occur as well of trying to get people to get rid of certain higher cards. Uh, earlier so you can use your higher cards later on to finish and sort of control the the table as it were is sort of how i see it and i've just been going back to it again and again and again i love it and one of the reasons i, I want to bring up here is because as i said at the start of the show you've been you're living in japan have been for a couple of years now and apparently according to 51 worldwide games it's a really popular car game in Japan.
1: Yeah, so I just looked it up. Apparently, it's called Daifugo. Yeah.
0: Daifugo, that's right. Yeah, yes. but
1: I now realize, so you call it Presidents or Thirteens. I it, Here, it's also commonly called Arsehole Scum or Capitalism. I've definitely played Arsehole before. <laughs> we used oh, to, really? Yeah, Arsehole's a pretty popular drinking game in the States, so I now know exactly uh... what this game is. And yeah, it's a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> we used to play it all the time in my 20s, which is something I can say now because I'm an old man. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So that's pretty cool. And is 51 Worldwide Games have online or is it all just local?
0: It does have online. I've mostly just played by myself against AI because mm-hmm. I'm a lonely, I'm a lonely boy. Now I just like playing against the AI. There's lots of different difficulties, so and the like a pretty good challenge. But I'm pretty sure you can play most of the games online as well, which is which is really cool considering how many games are on there. You know, if you're into poker, blackjack, games like this, or into those kind of more silly games I was mentioning before, um, or want to discover new games for friends, like yeah, it's it's really cool. I think similar to Animal Crossing, like it just came. At a really good time in 2020, last year
1: sounds really good. I might actually put that on the old wish list for next time it goes on sale, and we can play asshole together. We, we can. We can. I have to hit that explicit tag on this podcast. Anyway, <laughs> that about wraps it up this week. Uh, yeah, as we said, next week is going to be a real deal. the The idea of this podcast is each episode we'll look at a specific game and we'll talk about it for 10 to 20 minutes. Would probably be the maximum, but you know, we may have some outliers there and basically talk about why we liked the game or why we did it and whether we would recommend it or not. And, uh, it's going to be going up on every Wednesday, uh, on all podcast platforms, wherever you get your tasty podcasts, but it will be available for patrons on Tuesdays, the day before. So if you do want to check that out, head over to patreon.com forward slash pixels of breakfast. You can also follow the pixels of breakfast network on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, although we don't really use Facebook. We have an Instagram. That's a thing. And of course, wherever you're listening to this podcast is worth mentioning that I did receive a code for loop hero from devolver digital. We always like to be upfront when we do get codes for games,
0: Seamus, this was a pleasure. This is great. I'm I'm excited for the lineup of games we've already got sorted for the next next few weeks. Uh, some ones I've I've been keen to get to for a while, or old favourites in the in the way. But if you're listening and and you have some suggestions of games you want to hear us review, please please let us know. Hit us up, and we'll also chuck links for all the games we've talked about in this episode and every episode in the description as well, so you can check them out really easily.
1: Absolutely. So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week, and as always, don't forget to pixelate your breakfast.